Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Coming up on episode 270 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Polestar 2 Performance Package, the Rivian R1S, driving the all-new BMW 7 Series, including the i7, Honda's solid-state batteries, Mini teaches you how to drive a stick, and a bunch of listener questions. All that and more coming up next. This is episode 270 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam McCool Sandwich from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Roberto Baldwin from The Verge. Ooh, the Verge this week. So what have you been up to, Robbie, since we last spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago? I've been around the world. I've been a lot of uh, places. But uh, when I finally came home uh, this week, I got to drive the R1S, the Ooh. Rivian the Rivian SUV. Uh, it's... You know the truck is so the R1T is so nice, and the R1S just it, they just continue to, you know, it, create really nice cars. I mean, it's, it's not that difficult when you only have two of them, mm-hmm. and they're essentially kind of the same. Uh, the R1S is 16 inches shorter um, than the R1T, so it's a bit more agile. Uh, but yeah, I had it for the week. Is the wheelbase shorter as well, or is it just yeah cut the off wheelbase the is yeah the wheelbase is shorter as well. I can't okay. I, I don't remember that number. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it's 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 shorter. Um, it does have a third row. Um, once I was I got into it, it's fine for like sort of driving around town. But just getting in and out of it as a tall person is is just. I felt like I was gonna snap one of my legs off again. Third rows, uh, unless you're, you know, a minivan or a uh, a navigator. For the most part, it's it's definitely for children or for very short jaunts with adults. <laughs> um. But yeah, it drives well. Uh, you know, it's it's still quick. They gave me the um, I had the first edition, which is sold out. Um, this, but it had the uh, the quad motor, this you know motor at each wheel. Uh, it had the large battery pack, which is one thirty five. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, hundred thirty five oh. kilowatts. Um, they've been doing updates to the uh, over the air updates, and now it'll DC fast charge. At up to 220 kilowatts from a 450 volt architecture, so yeah, no, and and it supports uh, 500 amp chargers. So when those come online, you'll be ready to rock. Um, so yeah, no, it's they, you know, it, they, it, it's a definitely a vehicle that gets better over time, um, and uh, you know, it's if. They're still expensive. Starts this one starts at seventy eight thousand dollars. So, whew, wow. <laughs> and and they're not they're not going to get any cheaper when they finally bring out the the two motor version. Yeah, that's the that's the then that's the two motor version. The one I was driving, the starting price was okay. So the adventure, so to use the adventure is the one that you can get right now with a quad motor, and the large battery pack is ninety five thousand five hundred dollars. So it's not it's not an inexpensive uh, vehicle. 
Um, if you can get the $78,000 one, I think you'll be fine. I don't think you need all four motors. You can get dual motors and be just, just as happy. Yeah, I mean, you're still going to have like 600 horsepower. I think. Yeah, it's, yeah, you don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't need, at some point, like, it's just, what am I doing with all this horsepower in an SUV? Because you can't, you know, are, are you on the track? Are you doing quarter mile runs all the time? <laughs> um, no, you're just cruising around town and you, you know, you can take it off road. Um, what is really well, cool you do is, need to get to the under, other side of the intersection before everybody else. So that's true, but you can still do that with like 600 horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can do that with my little uh, my 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 Kona because that initial hit, that yeah. initial torque is there, and then after, you know you sort of diminishing returns after you keep going in the in the Kona. Um, it's just the the more powerful vehicles just keep you know accelerating for forever. Um, but you know these, you know these are adventure vehicles. These are are, are very much a lifestyle. I think, um, I think I've called them the Patagonia of, of vehicles. They're they're outdoorsy, um, but but expensive, and they have added uh, a few new features, which is uh, some of the stuff I test. They had a pet mode, which they added, um, which is something I think every EV, everybody, who, if you're making an EV. You should have some sort of pet mode. You should just steal that feature from from Tesla, because it's it, sometimes I'll I'll be driving around and I'm like, oh, I need to run into a store, but I definitely do. Even if it's for like a minute or two, because it gets because re- I know when you know whenever I have to do uh, videos in cars, we have to turn the air conditioning off so I can do voiceover. Mm-hmm. And when you know we do a few takes and we gotta you know turn the air conditioning back on because you're just like sweating. And dogs don't sweat like people, you know. They have the pants, <laughs> um, and so yeah. So I, I, so they have a they have a, a pet mode, um, and uh, I, you know, I did a video of the car, and I, I didn't get a video, but if you once you lock the car, like the the center display pops up and says, you know, my pooch is safe or my animal's safe, and they're, they're enjoying air conditioning, and I don't know Black Sabbath, whatever your your dog, cat, or potbelly pig enjoys when they're sitting <laughs> in your car, whatever their music musical preferences are. Um, so that was cool. They also have a, a whole suite of camping features now. Um, they have features so that you can have the car on, but without the external lights on. So you're not like hassling the other campers. Like if you want to, if you're overlanding or if you're sleeping mm-hmm. in the car, um, this is especially if you have like kids, sometimes people will go camping and they'll put the kids in the car to sleep because, you know, it's, it's warmer. Um, they also have, so you can turn off the display. They have uh, um, energy usage. You can optimize how you're using the energy and uh, they they have this one really cool feature is called uh, like an auto leveling. And so let's say you park on a hill or a weird surface, mm. which you know when you go camping, it's not like you're gonna like park on a nice asphalt slab right. all the time. Um, you 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 hit the little auto leveling and you just sit in the car and wait cause, and it takes a few minutes. It's not it's not quick. Um, yeah, well, I, I noticed the- that when I drove the R1T as well. If you put it into off road mode and you want it put it up to maximum ground clearance it takes several minutes for those air springs to pump up and yeah and get you to maximum height yeah that air compressor really really has to work to get because it, it's nearly seven thousand well the r1s is nearly seven thousand pounds so i don't know what they are when i'm sorry the, off, probably truck, around the same the truck is about 73 yeah so they're not light so. yeah <laughs> So it takes a little bit. So yeah, so the so you can auto level it, which is great for overlanding because you know you're sleeping essentially on top of your car, and if you're at an angle, like you're just rolling out of the <laughs> tent or whatever. Yeah, so yeah, to. so yeah, so that was so that was really nice. And it's, again, if you want to sleep in the car, if you or your kids or whatever, or you're you know you're just 
driving cross country, which I've done that a few times where we just pull over and sleep in the car and then get back on the road in a few hours. So yeah, that was really cool and it works really well. I put the little level um, uh, from the uh, from your iPhone in there and I just mm -hmm. put it on the tailgate. And it's funny because you're like, oh, this is a 5% or 5 degrees uh, of, of uh, angle. And you don't think that's a lot. But then you look at the car and you're like, oh, that is a lot. And then we, you did it and we got to like, in my driveway, which is about three and a half, four degrees of angle, I got to zero. And then out in the wilderness, it got to like, negative one which was you know once that's that's pretty that's good so for four degrees especially yeah. especially the we, we we purposely found like a giant bump in order to put like the front left tire on and so if you looked at the tires mm -hmm. like they were all over the place it looked really funny because the car is level you take photos and the car is level but you look at the wheels and the wheel like one's higher than the <laughs> other by like a few inches and it's it you know it's a it's a cool feature for for people who who, uh, who want to sleep or, or, you know, maybe you're, I don't know, serving hot drinks in the car when you're, <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> spill them. You have very fine China. Yeah. Um, yeah, it still, it drives well. Um, their, uh, driver plus ADAS system has gotten better. Um, adaptive cruise control is super chill. It's not very aggressive at all, which I'm always a fan of. Um, the, uh, lane keeping assist, uh, it still needs some tweaking. Uh, for the most part, it works fine. Uh, super tight, you know, corners, uh, turns on the freeway. Uh, those, those, you know, some, you know, it's, it's sometimes you're, you need to sort of wrangle it away from the thing, but it's definitely not nearly as difficult to take control as say like a Tesla where you're essentially like fighting with the car to get control back. Um, overall, no, I think, you know, I've said this again, and I'll just keep saying, Lucid and Rivian, both of their first vehicles are great. They both have these really great vehicles, but they both decided to build cars at the worst possible time <laughs> <laughs> because of everything that's going on. Um, but yeah, yeah, the R1S, I'll, you know, I look forward to, you know, any future vehicles, and hopefully, you know, we can get some uh, less expensive vehicles from them in the future. Uh, I know seventy eight thousand is still for their, you know, it's still a lot of money. Um, well, they are working but, on the the R two series. They've said that, um, yeah. which will be less expensive. Yeah, and I think, you know, really, you know, the 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 class of vehicles they're competing with, competing against right now, you know, are the likes of Range Rover, the high end Jeeps. You know, like you know, this is probably you know, competing, you know, the R1S competing with, you know, loaded, um, you know, Grand Cherokee, Jeep Grand Cherokee, um, four by E things like that, which are, which are almost the same price. Like, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's like, and you look at the truck market and people are paying like 70, 80, a hundred and something thousand dollars for, for, you know, just a regular F-150 platinum or King Ranch or, you know, it's, so it's, it's that whole, that whole market is, it's a really expensive, um, but I, you know, is I think I like the idea of essentially, you know, everyone's doing this where they're, you know, they're making EVs out of the top end of their line because they can afford to sort of take the, you know, they can they can add the extra money there because people who are willing to spend are able to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a car. A few thousand dollars doesn't really matter to them, and right. and hopefully, they, you know, this sort of trickles back down to the $35,000 Model at 3 that we were supposed to get. <laughs>
that was the dream. They're supposed to get the. the it cheap. was. It was briefly sort of kind of available. It was. It was like an off menu. It was like. Yeah. A, it was like a, like double double animal style. Yeah, like you'd, you'd have to. You'd, you'd have to actually call Tesla. You couldn't order it online. You actually had to call Tesla and say, "I want a thirty-five thousand dollar Model 3. and you know it. It, it would. I mean, I didn't actually experience this, but my guess is it was probably kind of like the experience of, you know, ordering cable service, you know, or, or TV uh, service. They're constantly <laughs> trying to upsell you. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you can fuck. get this one for 35 but we really think you'll be a lot happier with this, you know, standard range plus or the long range yeah. version, you know, for 45 or 50 or $55,000. And, um, and before you know it, you know, just you know, you're, nobody's you're buying the the thirty five thousand dollar version, and then Tesla says, "Well, you know, we discontinued that one because nobody was buying it." Well, they hit it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna look and see what the okay potential purchase price. Yeah, the starting price of a Model Three now is forty six thousand. Yeah, well, it's forty seven. Really, it's forty six nine ninety. So yeah, I didn't get. We didn't get the and and that that is with. Um, uh, a CATL um, lithium lithium iron phosphate battery, uh, so it's a Chinese made battery. Nothing wrong with that. It's a very good battery. Oh, CATL good makes battery. really good stuff. But um, you know, if you were counting on come January, the new version of the clean vehicle tax credits um, to be able to maybe get seventy five hundred dollars off um, off of a Model Three again. Um, nope, nope, <laughs> because that Chinese battery disqualifies it. Um, and so actually none of the Model 3s, at least as currently available, will qualify because that's the only one that is under 55,000. The others are all over 55,000, so they're not qualified. They don't qualify. The only Teslas that might qualify for the clean vehicle credit are the entry level versions of the Model Y, which oh, no, but the, the Model Y is really expensive. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they start at, I think their current starting price is somewhere in the sixty six, sixty seven thousand yeah, $67,000 range. Oh, because it's the SUV, I forget the whole, sorry, yeah, it's 66000 yeah. And and they don't currently offer a standard range version of the Model Y. Um, it's only, only available as the extended range and the performance. Yeah. Um, they, you know, I, I can see at some point, you know, that they will add that. They do offer a standard range version with that same CATL battery in other markets. They just don't offer it in North America. Yeah. Again, probably because probably not a whole lot of demand for it. Yeah, I, I, have they they got to put that list out of what who gets what because they got to get a little bit of something. I don't even know. Uh, as far as so, the credits go. Yeah, I'm so confused. I'm still well, confused by the whole thing. There's well, a whole. The, the, the IRS has figured out. Yeah, well, that's the problem. Is uh, the IRS has to issue the final accounting rules for how they account for the the content value uh, in the batteries, uh, and that's <clears throat> supposed to be published by December. By December. Uh, yeah. Once they've done that, then the automakers can go through and add up their numbers and see, okay, what percentage of my content, it, you know. Do I do I get to you know if I hit forty percent content and then I can qualify for some of these credits? Uh, so it's it's gonna we probably won't know until you know the first of the year you know early January yeah. you know, which vehicles actually qualify. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how people sort of adjust their their production and their or and their supply chain in order to like oh we're like right on the cusp. 
Yeah. We're more likely to sell more cars if we can get it, you know, to this thing. So let's order this from here and let's change this to that. And, and one one thing that one detail that will be interesting to watch when the IRS issues the rules is how they account for that um, that MSRP threshold, because a few years oh. back in Canada, they did a similar thing where they put a price cap, a forty five thousand dollar price cap. Uh, for the base price in order to qualify for uh, tax credits there. And what Tesla did that, you know, n- none of their cars were below $45,000 at that point. They started offering a version of the Model 3 for forty-nine thousand or $44,999, $1 below the threshold. But they software locked the battery, so you only had 93 miles of range. And then you had to and, pay. And then, and then you could pay for an OTA software update after you bought the car that would unlock the rest of the battery. And the question is, you know, will the IRS do anything to prevent that sort of uh, gaming of the system? You know, yeah. like, will they, will they say that in order to qualify, um, you know, the entire battery capacity has to be available at that price point? Yeah. And then you got to see, look at destination. Is it include destination? Um, my what guess if, what is if, it won't. So what if everyone's destination fees go up three thousand dollars? I mean that's that's a possibility. I think uh, Tesla's destination fees are already two thousand dollars. So much money. But um, yeah, I mean it, we'll 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 keep revisiting this, you know, as the rules come out later in the year and early in the new year. For now, we don't really know anything. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean none. Uh, I don't think, yeah, none of Rivian's vehicles actually qualify right now. Yeah, they're just all too expensive. Yeah, because you, you have to be below 80000 for a truck or an SUV, and they don't actually offer that two-motor version yet. So yeah. um, until that happens, they won't qualify. And the same is true for Lucid um, and a lot of a lot of other cars that don't qualify. Yeah, I think that on the top end, I, think, I don't think they really care. Yeah. I think they're like, oh, it would be nice, but no one cares, you know. Again, if you're spending thousand, hundred thousand dollars on a on a car, you know, saving a few thousand bucks is like not yeah, really. it's it's if when you're at that price point, you're you're going to be less price sensitive than you know somebody who's looking for a thirty thousand dollar car. People like me, yeah. Um, all right, uh, anything else on the R- Rivian R one S? Um, no, I can't think of anything. <laughs> Okay. Do they, do they also have the does does the R one S have the built in um, air compressor so you can air, when you're going off road you can air yeah. down your tires and then pump them yeah, back up it again? Yeah, d- it does have the air compressor. Um, it has like you know outlets in the back. It has the little speaker underneath mm-hmm. the center. The Bluetooth yeah, speaker you can pull out little, from under the you console. You can pull out and have a have a DJ dance party out in the middle of the woods. You know, um, yeah, it has all these like the, the little weird. Um, Rivian amenities that, you know, people who want to go out and do weird things outdoors can do. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it has all the, the cool little things that you can do while you're out there. And it's, uh, no, it's, it's, a uh, you know, I had all terrain tires on it. So that really just like destroyed the range. Because <laughs> <laughs> 316, and then you throw those, those, uh, it was on the 20 inch wheels, which you're like, oh, that's cool. 
because they have 21s, 20. But it had the all-terrain tires, and that's, I think it was like 40 miles or 60 miles of range. And they say on the site, they're like, hey, you put these tires on, you're really going to mess up your range. No, and yeah. then when I did when I did my range run, it ended up being the one day it's rained in, <laughs> in Northern California. And there was these crazy winds. So on the way out, it was fine. But on the way back, it was just like insane headwind. Like suddenly it got super windy, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> So yeah, That's it's the way it goes. Yeah, so it, it it wasn't really much of a level playing field. So I didn't actually like put out a number of what it was, um, just because it was so bad. Because you know, yeah. But, and, not... You know, if you if you if I did all that and you know if I took a Jeep out and it had regular road tires and then I swapped it over to all terrains and then I drove in the rain and I did it. Yeah, because rain creates surface tension. It creates you know it, it's it's yeah all that like destroys your 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 efficiency of your car regardless of what the powertrain is so yeah um while while we're talking about rivian one other thing um that came up since last time we talked uh was that rivian announced that they were uh, discontinuing availability of both the camp kitchen and the um the power tonneau cover on the r1t um because of uh the the tonneau cover uh, was because of some reliability issues a lot of people were complaining because it's actually a surprisingly complex mechanism that they have for that power tonneau. Uh, and I'll, in the show notes, I'll include a link to uh, the uh, Monroe Live video showing the teardown. They did that and explaining how the thing works. But basically, you've got a bunch of slots that slats that inter, interlock with each other. And as the tonneau opens up, they drop into a cavity uh, on top of each other. So it doesn't like roll up or anything or fold up. The slot, the slats just drop down into a cavity and stack up and then come, you know, and as you open it back up, you know, there's springs underneath that push them, push the slats back up. It's a bizarre mechanism, but um, because of the, the way they've got it set up, sometimes one of the slats can get skewed sideways oh, and then the whole so thing jams up. And it's like, eh, 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 eh. Yep. And it goes oh. nowhere. That, that happened like went back uh, when we still had our, uh, VW Jetta Sport Wagon with the uh, the cover uh, for the sunroof, yeah. for the panoramic sunroof. Um, but um, I'll, I'll include this video so you can see that. And then for the camp kitchen, apparently they're doing some redesign of it to improve it. So it's no five thousand dollars. You can just buy a kit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my whole can... thing was like you're losing half of the the gear tunnel. Yeah. You can buy like a like you can just buy a small like Coleman camp kitchen that'll take up less yeah. space. Well, or I mean, you, the camp kitchen had two inductive burners in there. You can buy an inductive hot plate off of Amazon for sixty bucks because that's what we did before we bought our new stove, an inductive stove. We wanted to see what cooking with an inductive stove was going to be look like. So uh -huh. I went on Amazon and I got an inductive hot plate for sixty bucks. Just to try it out, you know, see how fast it boiled water, see see if our pots actually work with it, um, and then you know we liked that, and then I ordered a, a full blown stove, um, and so you can you can buy a you know two of these for you know a little over a hundred bucks, uh, and you know have a wash tub to you know wash your dishes and stuff. Wash your dishes. Yeah. You know, so you don't you don't actually need the full camp kitchen. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it was really cool. I've seen it. Yeah. It's, it's super cool looking and it's it's but i'm just like oh the cheap person in me is like ah you're losing space and there's you can yeah and you can also put like you don't have to be standing by your truck in order to cook you can put it over on the table mm -hmm. 
you know, you're like, hold on, we all, the table's here, but the camp kitchen's over here, so we gotta do everything over here, and then move it to the table, as opposed to, like, we're all working at the table, and you move everything around, so. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a cool idea, but I, it, yeah. Kind, kind of like the uh, the tank turns, you know, cool idea, maybe not so actually useful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Um, I, uh, in between a couple of trips, uh, was driving the uh, Polestar 2 again um, for the second time in a couple of months. Uh, but this time it was the 2023 model with the performance package, uh, which means that, uh, you know, since this is a Polestar, like, when on a lot of Volvo models, you can get a trim level that's called Polestar Engineered that has Olin's dampers on there, a little more performance, uh, big, big uh, Brembo brakes, six-piston Brembo brakes on the front, um, and, you know, nice bright yellow seat belts that, you know, that look really cool. That tells you, you know, you're special. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can't really do a Polestar engineered Polestar. Polestar. They can so do the they, Volvo, Volvo engineered Polestar. <laughs> yeah. So they just they just call it the performance package, but it's effectively the same type of thing that would be Polestar engineered on any Volvo model. Um, and so the uh, performance package uh, bumps up the power output of the dual motor Polestar 2 from 408 horsepower, 487 foot-pounds of torque to 476 horsepower and 502 pounds-feet of torque. Um, there's not actually any hardware change associated with that, uh, but um, you know it's all it's all software. So um, owners of existing dual motor Polestar 2s will actually be able to buy uh, a software update that gets you at least the, that performance upgrade. It won't include the um, the Olin's dampers or the bigger brakes or any of that, uh, and they haven't announced pricing yet for that. Um, but they, um, uh, the performance pack uh, is priced at $5,500. Um, and uh, they also, uh, it, it also gets uh, an improvement in range along with everything else. So it bumps up the EPA range number to 260 miles, uh, which is a nice, nice little bump on there. Um, and uh, what else? Uh, oh, it also includes a heat pump uh, as part of the... Uh, Oh, uh, as part of the plus pack, actually, um, not not the performance pack, but the plus pack. Um, so um, it does feel marginally quicker. Uh, I mean, it's not a huge improvement in performance. I think it drops from zero to 60 from about four and a half to uh, just over four seconds. Um, but it's still, you know, it's nice and quick. Um, rides, um, at least in the default settings for the Olin's dampers, is slightly stiffer than the standard one. Um, and the, the Olin's dampers are adjustable, but they're not, uh, like adaptive dampers that self-adjust as you're driving down the road. Uh, you have to go in, you can go in and manually twist and, uh, adjust the dampers and change the damping rates a little bit. So if you want it a little bit softer or a little bit stiffer, if you live somewhere where the roads are nice and smooth, you can make it a little stiffer, get a little, little better handling. Although, you know, the, the Polestar 2, you know, even in its default mode has pretty good handling, you know, it's good pretty good body control nice and nice and stable um and it's a it's a lot of fun to drive um really the only thing um that i found slightly disappointing uh and i haven't gotten a, a response from polestar on this is um <clears throat> you know the the polestar uses has an android automotive based infotainment system um uh, as do the the latest volvos uh and 
the uh, so in the App Store in the uh, Google Play Store in there, uh, I went. I was I was setting it up when it arrived. I went looking for Pocket Casts, which is my podcast playing app of choice, um, which I use on on my other devices, and it's nice because I can sync up. You know, if I'm listening on my phone, I get in the car. You know, it automatically syncs everything up, so it's playing. You know, it's got the same playlist. It's got the same. Uh, you know, it syncs up wherever the position was on the last thing I was listening to, and brings that up by default. Um, the Pocket Cast app seems to be missing from the App Store now. It was there the last oh, time no. I had a Polestar too, a couple couple months ago. Um, it wasn't there uh, in in the current one. Um, I actually have uh, a Volvo XC60 uh, in the driveway right now as well. Um, that has the uh, the Android Automotive system. It does have Pocket Cast still on it. Shows it in the in the Play Store. So um, not sure what's going on. I did a little googling around, and some other Polestar owners were complaining that recently the Pocket Cast app disappeared. So Ooh. maybe maybe it's a glitch uh, somewhere. Uh, you know, with an update, um, who knows? Because uh, in order to be to show up in the Play Store in vehicles. Um, uh, app developers do have to, ha you know, have. Uh, there's there's only certain types of apps that are allowed, um, and I think they, you know, they probably have to have certain settings. So it's maybe the most recent update. Um, they forgot to, you know, flip the switch on some setting when they were Take building the app. They're like, yeah, and, send it off. And so it didn't show doesn't show up in the apps in the Play Store. We'll we'll see if that changes going forward. Uh, but just something to to be aware of. Um, but other is, than that. Is is Brony Radio still available in the uh, Google Store? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was that was a, I have radio, not looked okay. recently. Um, I, I just I'm pretty sure it's it. not not in the Play Store in in vehicles in Android Automotive. It was it was in the was Play Store. Yeah, that's why that's oh. the only reason I know what it is. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I you know what I, I feel stupid that I didn't download it and try it out. I felt, but I I was like ah do I really want this on my history? <laughs> I want this downloading itself onto all my Android devices. So go out there. You guys see. And then listen and see what, what Brony Radio is all about. I guess it's just My Little Pony songs? Uh, I will go and check after we're done recording. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> interesting. Okay. I, Sorry to throw you off, but I really that's an important journalism. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. It's, you know, pe People need to know if their Brony Radio is going to be available in the car. Um. Yeah, I mean, hey, whatever you know, to each their own. Um, so, the uh, the base price for the twenty twenty three Polestar two dual motor uh, is fifty one thousand nine hundred dollars. Um, the one I was driving had the midnight paint, uh, which added twelve fifty. Uh, the pilot pack uh, and the plus pack and the performance pack uh, at fifty five hundred dollars. Um, and um, Destination charge. Uh, you want to take a guess? Uh, Thirteen hundred. Very close. Fourteen. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, grand total came to sixty-seven thousand six hundred and fifty bucks. Um, so you know, if you're looking for a compactish, um, sedanish, you know, with a with a lift gate, um, you know, but but slightly taller, you know, crossoverish ride height, um. Uh, EV, um, you know the the Polestar two is you know still a great choice. I still really like it. Aside from the the high belt line, which I'm not yeah, crazy about, and you're not, you're not a fan of the high belt line. Yeah, it works fine for me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I like that. I really, yeah, those Polestars are really nice. Even with yeah, I'm, the... I'm, I'm really looking forward to checking out the Polestar 3, uh, which is coming next year. Uh, yeah. They, they recently revealed, revealed it. And, uh, um, you know, that that's going to be an interesting one. And then next week, as we're recording this, uh, November 9th, Volvo is going to take the wraps off the EX90, which is also sharing oh, its yeah. platform with the Polestar 3. Yeah, that'll be... And, yeah, uh, no, it's a Vol- Volvo Polestar. They're really they're going all in. Good for them. It's yep. funny because if you go to Volvo's uh, headquarters in Gothenburg, Sweden, there's just a box. It's the Polestar box. It's a cube or a box or a square. It says Polestar. <laughs> it's a, and it's a square inside the the thing for like their little headquarters. I don't know. It's just inside the building or next to the building. Oh no, no, next to the building. There's just like oh, another okay. building that's like a square. Like, it looks like it looks like someone just stuck a box. So they, they took, took, they out took the, the box that Boop. the Volvos used to be shipped in. And yep, and then they just put a Polestar. Yeah, it's a big square. It looks like a giant. It's like a Rubik's cube. They should put little different colors around each side so it looks like a Rubik's cube. It's like a perfect square. Um, I don't know. It just it just sort of it sort of sticks out a little bit and it's kind of cool. But yeah. All right. Um, did you know you can support wheel bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Continuing on, um, earlier this week I was in uh, Palm Springs, uh, more specifically Rancho Mirage, uh, for a couple of days. Um, driving some new BMWs. Um, they had the um, uh, the global media launch for the new all new 2023 7 Series, uh, as well as the refreshed X7. And then they had Test Fest where they had a whole bunch of other stuff available to drive, um, including the new X1 and the the iX and the i4 and um, and for those that uh, ride two wheelers, they had a bunch of bikes as well. Um, so got to spend, um, Monday all day driving, uh, two different seven series, um, the 760 I and the I seven, uh, the I seven is the battery electric version. Um, for the U S market, um, BMW is going to be offering three powertrain options for the new seven series. Um, the base 740 I will be a three liter twin turbo inline six. Um, the 760i will have a twin turbo 4.4 liter V8, uh, and then the uh, dual motor all electric uh, i7 uh, is the top model. Um, the two gas engines, the um, the six cylinder and the V8, are both mild hybrids, uh, and it's a new mild hybrid system. Uh, previously, BMW's 48 volt mild hybrids used a belted starter generator system um, that could do some brake energy recovery um, and uh, a little bit of providing a little bit of torque boost to the engine. Um, now they've switched to a configuration where the electric motor is packaged in the transmission between the engine and the torque converter. Uh, and then there's a small lithium ion battery in the back. Um, and, you know, that basically that gives you um, more advanced auto stop start capability where it can stay shut off for several minutes, uh, you know, when you're sitting idle, um, and, uh, provide some additional torque boost. It'll give up to 200 Newton meters, uh, torque boost, uh, and about, uh, I think 
nine kilowatts, uh, so about uh, 13, 14 horsepower uh, to whatever the engine's doing. Um, and, uh, and then they, uh, they didn't have the six cylinder there to drive. They only had the seven sixties and the I seven. Um, (laughs) but both of them, both the seven sixty and the I seven, um, have 563 horsepower, obviously produce that 563 horsepower in very different ways. One does it using a significant amount of, uh, petroleum. Uh, the other does it, um, from a plug. Um, and, um, uh, Chubba Chetta, the, and I, he's the former longtime editor in chief of car and driver. We're driving together on Monday. And, uh, one of the things we, we noticed, uh, with this thing, well, first off the, the design, what do you think of the design of the, the new seven? Uh, you, you know, I think I said this before, like BMW is just like, you know what we're going to do or we're going to do. And if you don't like it, too bad. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's 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 it's, it's you know, you still have the huge grill. And I talk to people, like car people and just regular people, and they're like the grill. And I'm like, I know, I know, I don't make BMWs, but <laughs> I I understand what you're doing. And they're like, man, that, that grill. But I think I think what's going to happen with the i with the seven series, the same thing that happened with the four and the i four, is that you just sort of get used to it. You, you learn to walk up from behind. Yeah, you learn to love <laughs> it. Like the i like now or, at this point in the i four, I'm like, it. yeah, at the i four, I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's where that's where I'm at with the i four now and the four series. Uh, I think it's 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 just going to be the same thing with the seven series, where you're like you're like you're like it's so it doesn't. 20% smaller, 10%, even 10%, because now it feels like it's sort of encroaching onto the hood. It's like the way it's sort of like creeping over at mm-hmm. an angle at the top. It's like, well, they're, for, they're, for they, what you it, know what? They, they set the design language like four years ago, and they're not, they're not backing down. Yeah. They're like, no. In fact, we're going to make it bigger. <laughs> well, for, for, for what it's worth, um, you know, on the, the new seven versus the, the last seven, because they did a refresh, mid-cycle refresh on the last seven about two, three years ago when they went to a larger grill. And looking at them side by side, the new one, the grill is actually the same, almost exactly the same size. But it actually looks slightly smaller on the new one because the rest of the face has grown. Yeah. Because the car is two inches wider. It's taller. Yeah. You know, so proportionally, it looks a little bit smaller. Smaller. Um, Fortunately, so, it's smaller, but it's still it's it's yeah. the creep. It's the creep over the top. Yeah, like you can see that 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 line that goes from the top of the winch, the not the windshield, the top of the lights. Yeah, and so it, and it comes all the way across. So they have this one continuous line that sort of goes across, and at that point, there's like a little there's a uh, there's a kink or, or or a little angle in the grill chamfer. Yeah, and it looks, and at that point, it looks like it's creeping onto the hood, and then eventually, at some point while you're driving, it'll just get you while you're, <laughs> it'll work its way all the way up to the hood, and then reach into the car and get you. Yeah. Um, the the other big change, you know, on this new one is the the front lighting. You know, they've gone from the traditional pair, you know, horizontal pairs of lights on either side. You know, so four four lights to this split lighting configuration where they've got the daytime running lights, LED daytime running lights in a slim horizontal strip up above and then the headlights in another strip down below. Uh, so you've got these two parallel lighting elements um, 
And uh, this is going to be a signature look for all the, the high-end luxury BMWs. So they've they put this on the new 7. It's on the new X7, the refreshed X7, and also the XM. They're the only ones that are going to get this look. All the other BMWs are going to stick with something closer to, to what they've had recently. Um, you know, this thing looks imposing. But compared to when I saw it back in April in New York, you know, in this event space where they had the, the reveal, out in the daylight, it actually looks a lot better, um, I thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it looks better balanced, looks better proportioned. Um, you, know, it, you know, it's five inches longer than before, a couple inches wider, a couple inches taller. Um, and, you know, it, it actually doesn't look bad, especially from the profile and the rear three quarters. Um, you know, and I can, I can learn to tolerate the grill. If you can, uh, if you can get black on black on black, it looks like you're from the future. I think you actually can. Yeah. And if you're from the future and you're here to solve crimes, that's yeah. what it looks like. You're like. I'm from the future. I'm here to solve some future crimes. <laughs> yeah. I think you actually can get that combination because you can get a combination of the black grill, like without the chrome surrounds, um, and other black trim. And then I think I'm pretty sure you can get that on a black body. The other thing that's cool is they do offer a bunch of two-tone combinations now where you've got uh, where it's split horizontally like at the belt line. Um, and, you know, they had one. They had a couple examples of one there that was the lower half was red, this dark uh, this sort of burgundy red, and uh-huh. then black on top, which was, a, I think, look, it was a really cool color combination. I really liked that one. Oh. Um, uh, and then, you know, as you approach the car, <laughs> you realize, you know, one of the options they have on here is automatic doors. So you can press the, you know, you can either reach in into the, the cavity there, and, you know, pull the, the door handle the way you normally would, you know, pull it open manually. Or you can just press the, the button there and the door will motor itself out. And you can also activate that from the app or from the key fob. Um and one of the things they've done is to, in order to avoid parking lot dings or, you know, hitting somebody's walking by the car, um, they've put ultrasonic sensors like the ones they have, those little round button sensors that they have in the bumpers for your parking assist. They put one of those in each of the door handles to detect if there's, if there's some obstruction there. And so the door will start opening up and it detects something and it'll stop. So it won't ding the, the car parked next to you. Um, unfortunately it can't stop the car park next to you from dinging your doors, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and you know, this is one of those things that, yeah, it's kind of a cool feature, but it's not really necessary. You know, it's, I mean, they, you know, the, the very high, you know, the Bentleys, the yeah. Rolls Royces, uh, they have this type of thing. It, it's, it's like, you know, at some point you're like, well, what are we going to add to this to, to make it? even more luxurious what how are we going to justify people paying a lot of money or the you know not even justify it's just that people want something extra from their car yeah and they're like well, look at this look at, it's a lot of the, the sort of like hey you have a friend come over hey look at this i don't know how, how helpful it'll be and i think a lot of people are going to be pushing that button <laughs> that ultrasonic yeah. sensor thinking it's a button to open the <laughs> they're like oh i just push this button they're like now you're you're sort of blocking a sensor actually <laughs> um but yeah, it's 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 
Yeah, the, there's, there's, there's there's a lot extra about this car. Yeah, you got to um, because especially when you're like, okay, what are we gonna do up against like you know what Mercedes is showing off with their the S and the yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they don't BMW hasn't done the hyper screen approach of of Mercedes, but they do have a very large curved display with a 12 inch cluster display right in front of you, 15 inch um, touch screen display in the middle for the infotainment um, and you know, one of the things in the the latest version of the iDrive software um, on the the left hand bar uh, on the touch screen, one of the things is four little boxes. You know, that's the that's the app drawer, um, and you tap on that and you see all the functions that are in, all the different things that are in this thing. It's like it's really quite overwhelming. Awesome. There's a lot there. You know, this you this thing. Stuff. Here's the stuff. Yeah, Here's all thing, the stuff. This thing has some serious creeping featureitis, yeah. um, but um, fortunately, you know, instead of searching through all the scrolling up and down, trying to find what you're looking for while you're driving, um, you can actually do pretty much everything in there using voice controls, um, and it works pretty well. Like you know, you can get in and say, "Hey BMW, crack the windows open," and it'll drop the windows down an inch or two, you know, or you know, open the driver's side window. Yeah, so you don't have to go looking for where is the the button for that. Or you do what I do and accidentally roll down the rear driver, the passenger side window when I'm looking, trying to uh, just a regular passenger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking over. I'm like, what's going on? And I'll say, <laughs> yeah. So you can you can do things like there's in the one the ones we drove, they all came equipped with the optional 31 inch theater screen in the back. Oh, um, so they, you can't <laughs> the review mirror blocker. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So it's a it's a like a thirty I think a thirty one by nine aspect ratio, so it's really like ultra wide screen Panavision, which is or thirty two <laughs> by nine that's it's thirty two by nine yeah so yeah I mean you can watch Panavision stuff you know without any letterboxing we're all but watching pretty Lawrence much everything else is going to be letterboxed or you can also set it to you know fill the width and then it'll crop the top and bottom which don't do that no don't do that don't ever do that. Unfortunately, what you can't do is like what Honda had a few years back in the Odyssey. They had a widescreen rear seat infotainment system uh, that popped down from the roof, and you could actually have two do a split screen and have you know the, the rear seat passengers or second row passengers could be watching two different things on halves of the screen. You can't do that, unfortunately. Oh, that's a bummer. But um, one one of uh, one of my friends that was at the event was talking to somebody from BMW and found out because right now. Um, they don't offer a digital camera mirror system in there because when you put that um, the uh, the screen down, um, you can't see anything from the rearview mirror inside the car. Yeah. It's, it's like driving completely a, blocked. Like driving a cargo van at this point. Yeah, uh, but they they will sometime next year they will start offering the digital camera mirror system uh, bundled with the uh, the theater screen. Um, and then when you when you and it when you put down the theater screen. Blinds come up in the, the rear, rear door windows and in the back window. Um, and the one in the back window is actually opaque. The ones in the side oh. windows are the, 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 the perforated ones that you yeah. can see through. Um, and you can, uh, you, you can, again, put all that stuff up and down with voice. You can say, hey, BMW, open the sun blinds um, or close the sun blinds. But you know, it's not a fully natural language vo voice record system. So um, you have to say some things in a specific way. So it doesn't understand sun shades, but sun blinds, it's good with. 
Oh, oh, that's yeah. they got to do some more. They got to do some more. Uh, yeah. Uh, regionalization on that. Yeah, they got a little more work to do there. Yeah. Um, the uh, you know, once you figure out that you can do most of the stuff with voice, it's not as daunting to yeah. try to find stuff. Um, yeah, this is a big car. Um, you know, driving it, you know, it feels relatively imposing, but fortunately, it does have four wheel steering, uh, which helps with maneuverability. Um, How, what's that? What's the, the rear turn degrees? Uh, three and a half degrees. Three and a half. All right. I, I think the Mercedes is what ten degrees. Ten degrees stand in yeah. the United States. It's standard ten degrees because it was four and a half, and then four and a half, and then you could upgrade to ten. But then they're like at the last one. They're like you know what? You just all get ten degrees. I think it was okay. just easier like to build it. Yeah. So the, this one's three and a half. You know, which is not as much, but it still it it helps. You know, when you got a hundred and twenty six inch wheelbase, every little bit helps. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you got to make sure those people in the back seat are comfy. You know, oh, yeah. big wheel base for the for the comfy people watching Absolutely. watching all the movies while you're driving them around. You're going to be picking up and driving your friends, and they're going to want to watch like the Matrix, and you're just sitting in the front like an idiot. You're like, it's, "What's Neo doing now?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this this one um, is uh, uh, th- there's only one wheelbase length. You know, they said that BMW told us that something like over ninety percent of customers bought the extended wheelbase on the old one and so they said forget it we'll just, we'll just do one just do the extended wheelbase is the only version now yeah there's um, no point to, yeah yeah uh so um and like i said we got to drive both the 760 and the um the i7 and for the most part the performance is actually pretty similar uh you know they have uh, they have the same horse, same peak horsepower, 536. Um, the i7's got a little more peak torque, um, the, but um, the 760 is about 600 pounds lighter. Um, oh, it's, fi- yeah. it's about 5,300 pounds versus 59 for the i7. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, what you know, in most driving conditions you really won't notice much of a difference in performance. They both accelerate pretty similarly. Once you get up to higher speeds, um, and, you know, this is a purely hypothetical. I mean, we would never do anything like, you know, test, you know, speeds of 80-plus miles an hour to triple-digit speeds on public roads. But um, apparently um, uh, it's been said that, you know, at, you know, above about 85 miles an hour, the performance of the i7 starts to fall off a little bit compared to the 760. The 760 really starts to pull. Um, and um, Chubba and I would never evaluate anything like that. Um, but Not you know, outside this, of Germany. If you no, were on yeah, the Autobahn, yes. Yes. if you're on the Autobahn, you're more, yeah. you know, 85 miles an hour is nothing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, but, you know, for the most part, the way most people are going to use a car like this, you know, it's great. Um what else? Uh, um, the the ride quality. I mean, these uh, all the new sevens have standard four wheel air spring suspension with auto leveling, um, and you know, especially in the i seven, you know, it's really quiet uh, and very very smooth. You know, it's like pretty much anything you do. You know, driving down the highway, going up, you know up a twisty mountain road, um, you know, in near Palm Springs, um, you know, anywhere you're driving it. It's, it feels like it's gliding along. It doesn't feel like it's floating. 
you know, so it's not like an old style American Cadillac, you know, Cadillac or something. A that's, bump and you you're know, still like a land yacht. Five miles. Yeah, no, I mean it's really well controlled, so it feels like you're gliding oh. over the road and it just goes where you point it, um, which was really impressive for something that weighs three tons. Um, and uh, you know, it's surprisingly fun to drive um, given its size. Doesn't have a whole lot of steering feedback. You know, switching it to sport mode basically just makes the steering heavier. It doesn't really give you any real <laughs> feedback. Just add a little bit more torque to the steering. Yeah, um, I mean it's the seven series. It, I mean you exactly. Be, you're not. You should be. You're not bombing back roads with the seven yeah. series. You're you're cruising. You know you're cruising back roads with your friends and make, trying to make them sick while they're watching. You know Lawrence of Arabia or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anavision. <Yes. laughs> um, the uh, oh, I forgot to mention the the theater screen system does come with uh, Amazon Fire TV built in, and you've got five G modem uh in the car um so you can stream all you know whatever you you know pretty much you can get all of the different streaming services as channels through amazon so if you're an amazon prime subscriber you can you can use that and and uh and who isn't an amazon prime subscriber these days uh you can watch everything in the in the back seat there um the uh one of the neat little design details is you know a lot of cars have ambient lighting um BMW has got these um, light strips that run along the dash and into the door panels that look like they're faceted, you know, uh, like a like a jewel. Uh, and then you've got the LED light strips behind there that can and you can pick different themes from the the touchscreen system or or select them uh, by voice, get different colors, and it actually looks really cool, especially at night. Um, it's a it's a neat effect. Um, and uh, just you know, it's it's what you would expect of you know a hundred thousand dollar plus luxury car. Um, like I said, once you get past you know all of the features, and you figure out how to do it with voice, um, you know for the, the rest of it, just works really well. Um, the um, uh, the EPA range numbers for the i seven uh, just came out. Um, Starting, you know, the base mo- the base version has 19-inch wheels. That's got the longest range, 318 miles, um, 89 MPGE, which, you know, for a three-ton luxury car is not bad. You know. <laughs> 89 miles per gallon. Equivalent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 318 miles range. And, you know, as we've seen from other BMW EVs, um, you know, they're they're pretty good. You know, their their numbers tend to be fairly conservative and, you know, they generally will match or exceed their, their label numbers. So you shouldn't yeah. have much problem. Uh, if you go for the uh, the 20-inch wheels, um, you get 296 miles of range. Um, and oddly, uh, the 21-inch wheels, um, and I'm guessing this probably has something to do with the tires that are on there, uh, you get 308 miles of range. I would have typically, the biggest wheels would give you the lowest range, but 308 miles. So... Anywhere, what did, what did the 21-inch look like? Do they have, are they are they specifically designed to to sort of uh, through the, to, to reduce that tur- that wheel turbulence? Um, they're they all are the they all design? yeah they, they all are designed to minimize the uh, the turbulence. Um, so um, they they're trying to minimize the drag. Yeah, you know, and the whole body shape is also designed to yeah. minimize drag. Uh, but yeah, even the twenty ones um, are designed for for low drag, uh, so that I think that I helps. Maybe they just did a little extra something something on the twenty ones to sort of help, and then they're like, oh hey, yeah. it actually worked out. Whoops, don't get the twenties. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, and then the uh, the seven the uh, the the regular the seven sixties. Uh, let's see, the seven forty um, is going to be rated at twenty seven miles per gallon combined, um, which is not bad. You know, not I mean, too that, bad. That thing's got that, you know about four hundred horsepower. That inline six, man, that's a, such a great engine. Yeah, it 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 is the pretty much the ideal form factor for an internal combustion engine, a yeah. piston engine. Uh, and then the 760 is rated at 21 miles per gallon combined, which again for for a, you know, a, 50, for a 5300 pound car with 560 horsepower, that's not too shabby. Yeah, and that's yeah. a lot. And that little drag coefficient because they have to make an, they're making the i7 as well. Yeah, and then the um, uh, the i7 uh, has a starting MSRP of 119,300 dollars, um, zero to sixty in four and a half seconds. Uh, the the uh, the 740 um, is uh, let's see uh, starts at ninety three thousand three hundred dollars. Um, so uh, oh, it's, and it's three hundred and seventy five horsepower. So um, you know it's you know it's certainly competitive price wise, um, size wise, uh, range. Uh, you know is not. Not as good as what you're going to get from the high, you know, from the maximum range versions of a, a Tesla Model S. Uh, but this is a much more luxurious car than what oh, you're going yeah. to get from Tesla. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what's what's the range on an EQS. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. yeah, I have an EQE in my yeah. driveway, and someone asked me the range. I'm like, I can't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the yeah, the Lucid got... Air, you know, is you know, four to five hundred miles of range. Uh, but you know those right now, for now at least, are still starting, you know, in the hundred and fifty-four thousand dollar range and up. Yeah, three fifty uh, for the EQS. Yeah, so not not quite as much as an EQS, uh, but uh, you know, still still you know enough for what mo- you know for al- what almost anybody's going to need. You know, and chances and these these charge pretty fast. Uh, you can um, add eighty miles of range in ten minutes uh, on. At uh, 190 kilowatts, um, so it's you know it, it'll it'll put the miles back on fairly quickly, and you know after 300 miles you're going to want a bio brake anyway, um, you know, and they you've got uh, massaging seats with all kinds of patterns and things like that, so lots of stuff in here. You're getting all the yeah, it's it's you're sort of yeah. All right. Um, Next up, uh, tell us about Honda and solid-state batteries. Oh, so I went to Japan, and I spoke with the, the new, well, relatively new, uh, CEO of Honda and the head of their electrifi- their global electrification. Uh, these are two different people. Their global electrification. <laughs> the CEO is uh, Toshihiro Mibe, and the... Um, the head of global level electrification is Shinji uh, Aoyama, and I spoke to both of them. And then I went and saw them. You know, in their they have like a little they have a lab at their head. They have an R and D center, and they showed us how they were making, or at least they're starting to make uh, their solid state batteries. And the issue with solid state batteries is that because of the uh, the way they work, and without getting super crazy technical, is that the way they work is that they what happens is is that you end up with these little spikes inside the batteries, these little 
pieces that stick out. They're called dendrites, and they create uh, short circuits inside the batteries. It's not, and it's it's because it's and what that does is it lowers the lifespan of the battery. So instead of you know like a regular car, you get thousands of charge and discharge cycles. With these, you get a couple you know hundreds instead, which is not something you want in a car because you're like, well, I had the car for a year, and now the battery's totally shot. <laughs> So in order to to uh, reduce those dendrites, what they've done is they've stuck in in the the lithium ion um, uh, God dang it, the thing in the middle the, the <laughs> um, separator or yeah, the electrolyte the, the electrolyte so it's the electrolyte that creates these dendrites because you're going back and forth between the anode and the diode and and what happens is that create that's where you get the dendrites so what Honda is doing is they're putting a polymer fabric uh essentially a coating on each side of that and to to reduce the the the, uh, the dendrites the little spikes and order and in order to make sure that it's that it's uniform and it's high pressure and it's smashed together is they're using rolling instead of using a press they're rolling these out and it's it in theory, it sounds like a good idea. It sounds like it might work because you're essentially putting like a little net that says, hey, you can't do this anymore. There's nowhere for you to go. Keep doing your job. We're going to keep you trapped in this little area. So they, you know, they have this system that they're they're, they're working on right now. And in 2024, they're going to have a pilot manufacturing line. So in 2024, they'll have a, a line in um, in Japan where they'll actually be building solid state batteries and they believe that they'll have a solid state battery powered vehicle by the end of this decade like 28 2028 2029 is what they're what they were saying so you know from let's say a little over a year ago where you're just like what is honda doing with evs because they had the honda e which never came to the united states for various reasons um and then the clarity which they had just killed because they brought the Clarity over, which had like essentially the same range as the Honda E, near not nearly as an, as as uh, compelling of a, of a vehicle, and no one was buying it the EV version, so they just killed it. So they only had one EV in the United States, and they like they're like no, no one's buying it. We're we're getting rid of it. So you're just like, well, what is Honda doing? And then we have you know, uh, Mibe, he came on board, and he's like, okay, we gotta we gotta do we gotta get get it together. And I think you know this new leadership over at Honda really understands that the future is electric. Uh, you can't sit there and complain about it like another Japanese automaker, um, you know, complaining and saying, oh, regulation. You, you can't be Toyota is essentially what's going on. And I mean, Toyota's coming around. Um, but, you know, they, 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 when you have it from the top down saying, we need to electrify and we need to move quick and we need to figure out how to do this and we need to do it right. And so it's, it's a, yeah, it's 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 interesting because you know at the same time they're also working with GM. They're using the Ultium pat, uh, platform for the Prolog, and then they have this whole other division or other company, uh, Sony Honda Mobility, which they you know they they they're working with uh, Sony because they were looking for a partner who wasn't in um, the automotive space to come up with some new ideas to sort of like shake things up, and so. Sony ended up being that company, and Sony had a few years earlier shown off a car at CES, like their surprise EV at CES, where they couldn't tell you if they were making it or not for like two years. And I, I, I Sony Honda Mobility, yeah. So you know they were looking for a third, 
another company that wasn't in the automotive space to, to, to work with to create something that was, I guess they were saying, thinking out of the box. And, you know, Sony had shown off that car, which no one had expected. And, you know, I, I had talked to Sony. And then they showed it off again. And I talked to Sony one week. And I'm like, are you guys building this? And they're like, nah, probably not. And then the next week they talked to Motor Trend. And they're like, yeah, we're totally going to build it. <laughs> or is the other well, way? I don't, I don't even remember. Maybe they told me. Back in 2020 at CES, when they first when they showed off the first one, the sedan, I think you know the indications that were given at that time was, yeah, you, know, you know we're we built this to showcase all of the different kinds of components and sensors and electronics that we can do, um, you know, and they weren't, it, you know, they didn't really give any indication that they were actually going to build a vehicle. Yeah, but then they showed it again, and they kept showing. Oh, yeah. it's testing, it's doing this, and I don't remember right. they if did, they told they did me a they... second concept this year, a crossover. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they – they, I don't remember how, what the – I don't know if they told me they were going to build it or they weren't going to build it. But they told Motor Trend the exact opposite like a week and a half later. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm that car and driver. I'm talking to somebody. I'm getting like dispatches from Japan. I'm like, okay, I got this article. I write it up, put it out. And then like a week and a half later, Motor Trend has an article. And it's the same thing except completely opposite answers. I'm like, what is happening <laughs> Well, anyway, so now Sony is working with Honda, um, so they have that. So they have a bunch of, and you know, we asked them, you have all these different things going on, <clears throat> why? Like, and, and essentially their answer was, it's still really early days for, for electrification, and they're, they're essentially they don't want to put all their eggs in one basket is what it comes down to. They want to have multiple paths to electrification to say, you know, if this one doesn't work, we have these other two things that are going on, mm -hmm. which is, you know, sort of, you know, it's smart. It's like if you're looking for a job, you don't just apply for one job and just hope for the best. <laughs> you apply to a lot <laughs> of jobs. You throw your net, you have to throw a wide net out there. So that's what Honda's essentially throwing a wide net uh, into electrification. And I think at this point, I think, you know, that's a smart, that's a smart decision because, you know, solid state doesn't work out, which for, you know, almost two decades it hasn't worked out <laughs> yeah it's always five years away um it'll be it's nice like fuel cells and you yeah know, all kinds of other stuff so yeah so it, it's it's it was a it, it, it was a good it was a good chat it was a good tour they let us go into the room we had to wear all the stuff you know we had to wear bunny suits and and gloves and special shoes and all that stuff to in order to to watch them build it was, you know it's it's always fun you know, people talk about what they're doing, but to actually see it and know that they're actually working on it and know that they have a plan for a, a pilot site for manufacturing. That's and that's the big thing is like, like we're, we're, we're working on this. I'm like, OK, well, what's what's the well, can we see it? Eh, you know, we're working on it. And then for them, like here, we're going to show it to you. And we're already planning to, to tool a site just to build these uh, these batteries. So it you know it, it it's a it's a level of commitment that you kind of want to see from an automaker who um, is is trying to crack the uh, solid state code. And the, and the, you know they <laughs> when we asked them about like well what are you, are you going to share it with GM and, and essentially the answer was we're happy to sell this to anyone. Like if they crack the code, it'd they'll, be, they'll license it to whoever yes, wants it. They will. To. They will sell it to anyone who will buy it. And, and I think anyone who gets that solid state thing figured out is going to be. They're going to make a. That, that's that's a. That's going to be a big deal if you get it figured out and and you can prove that it'll last. You know the same amount of charge cycles as a regular lithium ion battery. 
you're gonna that company's gonna make a lot of money selling licensing that out to other uh, automakers. Yeah. Um, do they plan to manufacture these themselves at some point, or are they gonna partner with like you know they recently announced a joint venture with LG to build uh, a cell plant in Ohio near where a bunch of their uh, assembly plants are. Um, you know, are they planning to go down a similar path and you know partner with a cell manufacturer to do that, or are they just gonna go all in? in-house and do that they're doing everything in-house right now all the all the research all the development everything they're doing on their own right now but in the in the future though you know they'll be able yeah i you know it's like an iphone you know apple does everything in-house and then when it comes to actually building it they'll probably you know they have a partner that'll do it i think that's i think honda's gonna you know partner with with lg chem or somebody in order to actually to do the you know the, the the huge manufacturing um so they don't have to but uh, but right now everything they're doing every, yeah because I was like well are you working with partners right now they're like no this is all us this yeah. is, they, they want all the money <laughs> <laughs> well, fair and, enough you know, yeah I mean if you're gonna be late you know if you've got something that that might be you know a breakthrough you know you probably want to leverage the most you can out of it yeah so. yeah so it's it it was uh you know because you know we we the Honda you didn't come here and that could have again could have been a halo vehicle for them here. Um, and the clarity just didn't, it just didn't stick. And, and then you just got nothing for forever. You're just like, well, what is Honda doing? And, uh, I mean, you know, to be fair, the clarity EV was not very good. I mean, it only had like 84 miles. Yeah, it didn't have a, the, the idea with the clarity was that the interior was really nice. It was almost Mm -hmm. accurate level. So instead of range, you got like a really nice interior. Which yeah. people kind of didn't really, you know, you're like, okay, I understand the pitch, but I don't think people want, especially at that point, because it was only first adopters, and first adopters would have rather had range instead of a nice interior, because if they cared about nice interiors, they wouldn't have been buying Teslas. Right. I mean, that's, that's, and, you know, I mean, the, the argument that, that Honda made with the, you know, with having such a small battery in there was that well, we're going for maximum efficiency. You know, we wanted to... Um, you know, you go with a, a smaller, lighter battery, yeah, and the same same is true for you know for Mazda and and others. You know, Hyundai did the same thing with the original Ionic. You know, if we go with a light, a smaller, lighter battery. You know, we can get more miles per kilowatt hour out of it because the car is not so heavy. Um, but I think in the case of you know this one, they just they went too far with it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and they, you know, you tell the people, that's hard to explain to somebody who's looking at a car and they're like, well, I can get a Tesla that gets 250 miles or I can get this car that gets 89. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's more efficient. I'm like, they don't care because yeah. more efficient doesn't get you to work and back. <laughs> yeah, <work>. exactly. <laughs> more efficient doesn't help you. And, you know, a car, you know and, and obviously batteries and vehicles have gotten more efficient over time. Um, but at that point, like if, if, even if it was inefficient uh, for that time. You could have gotten, you know, if you work 30 miles away, that's 60 miles with an mm-hmm. 89, you know, if you have an 80 mi- 89 mile uh, range vehicle, you're like, you're kind of pushing it. You're like, oh man, yeah. that's that's too much. And and on top of all that, it was kind of homely. It wasn't it was, a pretty, well, yeah, it, it, was wasn't, not... it wasn't a pretty car. It was really nice yeah. inside. It was comfortable. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I drove, yeah. I drove both the plug-in hybrid and the fuel cell versions. And, you know, it was a nice interior. It was, you know, very Acura-like. But, yeah, it was kind of um, ugly on the outside. It was a hard sell. especially. And yeah. then they came out with the Honda E, and they were like, well, why don't we get that? Because yeah. it has a little bit more range, 
but it's also it's like it's it would have been like it's fun yeah it's, yeah it's like the mini se the mini se on you know i think my range test was 120 miles with that thing yeah it, which is fine for most of your sort of cruising around town but mm-hmm. it was also super fun to drive yeah. And you really liked being in that car. Where, yeah. And I think the clarity, you're like, well, it drives. And <laughs> yeah. I hope no one sees me. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let's do one more story and then answer a few listener questions. Uh, Mini, um, Mini USA, um, just as, you know, manuals are disappearing, everybody's and, – and this is particularly amusing since Mini has said that, you know, they're going all electric going forward. You know, all, all their upcoming models are going to be electric, which means they – Almost certainly won't have manual transmissions, but Mini USA is launching a manual driving school uh, at their at the BMW Performance Center in Thermal, uh, California, um, at the Thermal Raceway. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad to see Mini promoting manuals, but you know, a little late. They're and they're going they're going electric before B- the rest of BMW. They're like the first ones. Yeah, but, but and they're the only being. Like, is it the only, are they the only BMWs you can get with them in the United States? You can get with a manual transmission. Uh, I yeah, that's it. Think there's no there's no no. You can the the new M2 is going to be available with a manual. I think. Oh, because the two series doesn't have a manual, but the M2. Yeah. Will. I think okay. the M2 is going to be available with a manual, and I All right. think the M3, M4, are available with a manual. Maybe not. All right. I, I could be wrong. So it kind of makes sense if you want those yeah. people who want to join that enthusiast, and you're still staying within the family. <laughs> Yeah, and you know BMW did recently announce that they're going to offer you know some some mini models that haven't offered a manual for the last couple of model years, um, starting in starting this month, uh, November, um, they're going to start offering the manuals again uh, in some of those models. Uh, so um, there will there will be a bunch of minis with manuals available uh, at least for a few more years yet. Right. Um, so you know if you're if you don't know how to drive a manual, um, you know. That, I mean, just go take the course. Just learn how to drive a manual just for the fun of it. It's okay. So taking a course from someone else, A, removes a lot of anxiety and issues you're going to have from learning from your your partner or your parent or your friend or your cousin or just someone you know. And and as a parent of two kids, trust me, there is a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Because now you're like, ah. So it's going to remove that. Also, it's not your car that you're destroying the clutch on. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. You're destroying someone else's clutch. <laughs> yes. So if you have, if you're a parent and you have a kid and you can afford, I'm sure this is going to be very expensive, but if you can afford it and you have, let's say you buy the new M2 with the manual transmission, maybe teaching your kid to drive on that is a bad idea because they're going to melt the clutch. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, it, it's, I think it's, you know, it's a good thing. Um, a little, oh, a little side story from, from Honda. Um, uh, someone asked about, uh, elect, uh, manual transmissions on electric vehicles and, um, Aoyama, their, their, their lead electrification. He's like, we've researched it. It can be done. We're not going to do it Yeah, because it's, it's fake. He's like, it's fake. Yeah. It's not real. It's fake. We're not going to do fake manual transmissions on our cars. So, it, yeah. So electric vehicles, because, I mean, right now, the only there, there's a two speed on in the Porsche and the e-tron. And that's pretty much all you need. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, and that's yeah. only on the rear axle. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, so, so Honda could do it. They're not going to do it. Because it doesn't make any sense. It's fake. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, it's fake. It's artificial. It doesn't make any sense. 
it's not a it's not a it's not a thing we're going to do. So, all right, <sighs> let's answer some questions. Um, Eddie Moreno uh, says asks uh, don't want to start a rift between you and Robbie, uh, referring to me. I'm assuming, but I'm in the market for either the 2022 Subaru BRZ uh, or the 2022 Mazda MX-5 Miata. Compare and advise. Thank you. Okay. First of all, how tall is Eddie? Second yes, of that all, was my where, response on Twitter. <laughs> where does Eddie live? If Eddie is taller than six foot and he lives somewhere where it rains sometimes, I'm going to say get the BRZ. If Eddie is, is shorter, is six foot or shorter, and he's somewhere where it's just nice and sunny a lot of the time, definitely get the Miata. Yeah. Or, you know, it, again, if you're under six foot and – you only plan to drive it, you know, in warm weather months, like I do with mine. Um, you know, then again, you know, Miata is a great choice. So really, you know, for the most part, it comes down to, you know, if you want the sunshine and how tall you are. Yeah. That's Both good. of them are great cars. Both of them are going to be a blast to drive. The BRZ has got a little more power, um, you know, and it has that, um, the, the package shelf with the two seat belts, you know, so you can stick your dog back there if you want to. And as long as well as taking your friend or partner with you, um, you don't have that option in the Miata, uh, just the two seats alone. Um, and I think pricing is similar range for the yeah, two. The BRZ starts at 30. Um, but you have to be careful with the BRZ right now because the markups right now on those things are like around oh, here, yeah. 13 to $15,000. Oof. For a thirty thousand dollar car, yeah, do, do not pay those kind of markups. <laughs> do not pay. Not yeah, worth that, it. That, and I mean, you're, and, and I'm sure it's going to be just as bad for the Miata, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe a little less because I don't think it's as new as the BRZ. Yeah, they're just trying to get you. <laughs> yep. All right, <clears throat> got a couple of questions from Surtur. Uh, first, uh, is there a standard way of testing the health of EV batteries, similar to a compression test for an ICE? Um, so. There are standards in development for this, uh, industry standards, uh, but there isn't currently a standard. Um, and the, you know, the, con the context of this question, uh, I think, is probably around um, buying a, a used EV. Uh, and this kind of relates to uh, another question uh, that we also had from Coach Cabrera. Uh, any reservations about buying a used EV, one that's two to three years old and has 40 to 60,000 miles on it? Um, Cox Automotive. Um, which owns a lot of different businesses. They, they own KBB and Auto Trader and other stuff, but they also own a lot of businesses that are related to automotive retail. Um, you know, so they do a lot of stuff with dealers. They have dealer management systems, uh, and one of the businesses they own is Mannheim Auctions. So a lot of a lot of the used cars that get traded in uh, or come in off of lease end up going to Mannheim. And they get auctioned off, and dealers buy them for their used car inventory. Um, last year, Mannheim bought a company called uh, Spires New Technologies, um, which, among other things, you know, they're they're in the business of recycling lithium-ion batteries. But one of the things that they had done is they had also developed um, testing procedures for um, lithium-ion batteries. And what Cox and Mannheim are doing now is any used EVs that come through their auction system, they're running through this battery of tests and they generate a battery health report. Uh, so when if you buy a used EV that came through Mannheim, you know, one of the things you'll have is this battery health report. Um, 
you know, most EVs, you know, there there is some. It's not usually, I think, user accessible in the interface, but um, you know, there's information stored in, in the battery management system about the capacity of the battery. Uh, it you know can be accessed if you go to a, a dealer or a service center, um, and it can tell you the the state of the battery. Um, so you know, in 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 general, there's not you know a real um, a standard right now, but we're getting there. We will have something in the next couple of years. But the Mannheim stuff that they're doing is probably the best right now. Uh, so if you buy a used car from from a dealer, um, you know, and it's gone through Mannheim, they should be able to provide you with that battery health report. Um, and then, you know, in general, you know, if you're talking about a two, three year old used car with forty to sixty thousand miles on it, the battery's probably going to be fine. Um, the the only exception might be uh, a Nissan Leaf that has been driven. Yeah you know, in Phoenix for its entire history and, you know, been in 115, 120 degree temperatures because the Leaf still has a, an air-cooled battery. But everything else, you'll probably be fine. Yeah, they there's... Oh, hey, there's a picture of you. Oh, yeah? <laughs> in this article about how the batteries were better than... They were scoring better than the... Oh, okay. EVs score well on Mannheim battery tests. <laughs> and then I'm, like, scrolling through really quick and I'm like, hey, there's Sam. <laughs> Um, yeah, I talked to somebody, some, some, uh, somebody a couple months ago about this. Um, I to somebody about something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I talked to a lot of, <laughs> a lot of journalists. Uh, so I can't remember who wrote that story. Mm. Uh, I think it might've been somebody from AP. Uh, uh, Ward's auto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the grades are pretty good. Uh, yeah. So there you go. They're good. Pretty good. And, and, you know, the other thing is, you know, aside from Tesla's, everybody else offers, Either eight year, hundred thousand mile, or ten year, hundred, hundred, hundred and fifty thousand mile warranty on the battery. So anything with two to three years that's only got forty to sixty thousand miles on it, still going to be under warranty for quite a few more years. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you could you could probably do that. You know, I mean, you you can probably buy a used EV in that range. You know, and feel pretty comfortable about the condition of the battery. Um, okay, uh, Surter's other question had to do with, um, you know, given that uh, this weekend, uh, as we record tomorrow, uh, we will be uh, setting the clocks back and going back from daylight savings time in the U.S. to standard time. Uh, it says, how do I set the clock in my car or should I just ignore it until March? Um, I don't know about you, but I would just ignore it. So I have two, we have two, we have three vehicles. One of them, it just changes automatically. The, yeah. the, the Hyundai, it just does it. Easy peasy. The BRZ um, just has, right next to the little clock, just has two little tiny buttons. One says H and one says M. And you just tap that those buttons and you just keep going until you hit the number. It's like the easiest clock that we have anywhere, house, car, whatever, to set. The Jaguar, it's, it's, still, from, uh, it's still on standard time. And it's also 12 hours off. So... <laughs> Right now we're we're recording. It's now 11 a.m., so it says it's 10 p.m. now in my Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at it, and I'm driving. And I look at it, and I'm like, I'll just wait. <laughs> and I yeah. waited until t- and tomorrow it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. It'll still be you know, it'll still be 12 hours off, but at the time the number will be correct. And and if you if you have a newer car that's got Apple CarPlay or Android Auto, that interface is going to show the time from your phone anyway. So just ignore the, the the built-in clock in the in the car. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> finally, uh, Adam J asks, uh, curious what you all think of this interview with Tesla's former autopilot, uh, uh, an FSD guy, uh, referring to Andre Carpathy, who uh, a few months ago uh, left Tesla, uh, but he was their head of AI and led the autopilot and full self-driving uh, program. Uh, his justifications for no radar or sensors in their cars. Um, so this was uh, a Forbes article written by Brad Templeton. Uh, Brad's a very smart guy. Um, and I think, you know, what Brad said in there, I, I pretty much agree with. You know, I, I think I think Carpathy's arguments for this are nonsense uh, for not using anything but cameras. Um, it's, it, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be harder. I'm like, well, sensor fusion has been around for a long time. And my phone can do it. And cars have been doing it. Yeah. Other cars are doing it. Don't, don't pretend like it's harder. Well, do better. How about that? <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's okay. So, you know, fusing camera, radar, and LIDAR signals together to create one environment model. Yes, that's a little more difficult. But it also gives you a much more reliable view of what's around you. Whereas having just cameras, especially the way Tesla's got theirs configured, um, is not so good. You know, it, um, you know, because you can't accurately measure distance. You, you know, it's a lot harder to measure the trajectory of where car, where other vehicles are going. Um, you know, under a lot of lighting conditions, they, they don't work as great. Um, you know, so yeah, it's a simpler system, but it's ultimately going to be more, much more limited in what it can do. Um, and, you know, if you actually wanted a proper, true self-driving system that is reliable and robust, do it the right way. Don't no. don't take shortcuts. Yeah, and there's you have redundancy, and it, yeah. it, it it drives me nuts that you know Tesla had a uh, a computer day. I forget what it was, an AI day. I don't know, investor day. Yeah. I forget what they call it. Every time it was, it's a different. Every time it's a different name. But they talked about how they had the, all these redundancies in their um their hardware, their computer hardware. They're like, oh, we have redundancy for this, and we have redundancy for that, and we have redundancy for this, and they redundancy, redundancy. And they just kept hammering redundancy, but they don't have redundancy when it comes to the sensors that actually see the road. And that's yeah. what that's what you have when you have radar, lidar, and cameras is that you have redundancy. So when one fails or it's difficult for one to see because of whatever reason, the other two can pick it up, can can come in and help. And the idea is like, well, we have redundancy except for this one thing. Yeah. And you're like, well, that. <sighs> oh man, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of ridiculous. Um, but. Um... Actually, that that reminds me of one thing I forgot to mention about the Seven Series earlier. Uh, this is the first BMW that actually has hands-free driving capability with their um, uh, drive uh, drive assistant plus. Uh, Wait, system. so is it hands-free above forty? Yeah. Okay. Oh, right yeah. Now, previously, they had hands-free below forty miles an hour, 40, like yeah. traffic traffic jam pilot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but now now it can do hands-free up to whatever speed. Like Super Cruise and uh, yeah, it's like more Super like Cruise Super Cruise. Cruise. There we go. Yeah, so it's geofence to highways, um, and they they have um, a new camera configuration. They've gone from a trifocal front camera system to a two camera system, but the the long range uh, camera, long range uh, to wide angle to long range camera uh, is an eight megapixel camera now, uh, with which has a lot more resolution than the 1.3 megapixel cameras they used previously and the Tesla still uses. Um, and then they've also got a bunch of five radars around the perimeter as well. See? Redundancy. Yep. <laughs> and next year they plan to launch 
an L3 system with LiDAR, but only in Germany and Japan. That there's no plans right now to bring that to the U.S. market. Because oh, like, yeah. Mercedes is trying to bring theirs to the market, and they have, they're talking to California and Nevada, and you're just like, okay, well, it works here, but now we're going to turn it off if you drive to Arizona, and you have to do... I, I don't... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, hats off to, to Mercedes for doing the work to, to bring that here. Um, but I, I, it just seems like a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> And it's going to have, you know, limited usefulness, you know, up to 37 miles an hour. You know, yeah, so. yeah. You're just like, I'm stuck in traffic, so I can, like, if you live in L.A., it's perfect. If you're yeah. stuck, yeah, if you live in somewhere where just traffic is just trash, then it's it's outstanding. If you live anywhere else, you're just like, oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.